that are so essential and of utmost importance for the people who are a part of what Christ is and what he is doing as he works in our lives. And then he speaks of multiple people who are a part of his ministry. So let's read that passage. I'll be reading from the New Living Translation, Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 to the end of the chapter. Devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Pray for us, too, that God will give us many opportunities to speak about his mysterious plan concerning Christ. That is why I am here in chains. Pray that I will proclaim this message as clearly as I should. Live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. Tychicus will give you a full report about how I am getting along. He is a beloved brother and faithful helper who serves with me in the Lord's work. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, to let you know how we are doing and to encourage you. I am also sending Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother, one of your own people. He and Tychicus will tell you everything that's happening here. Aristarchus, who is in prison with me, sends you his greetings, and so does Mark, Barnabas' cousin. As you were instructed before, make Mark welcome if he comes your way. Jesus, the one we call Justice, also sends his greetings. These are the only Jewish believers among my co-workers. They are working with me here for the kingdom of God. And what a comfort they have been. Epaphras, a member of your own fellowship and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends you his greetings. He always prays earnestly for you, asking God to make you strong and perfect, fully confident that you are following the whole will of God. I can assure you that he prays hard for you and also for the believers in Laodicea and Hierapolis. Luke, the beloved doctor, sends his greetings and so does Demas. Please give my greetings to our brothers and sisters at Laodicea and to Nympha, Nympha and the church that meets in her house. After you have read this letter, pass it on to the church at Laodicea so they can read it too. And you should read the letter I wrote to them and say to Archippus, be sure to carry out the ministry the Lord gave you. Here is my greeting in my own handwriting, Paul. Remember my chains. May God's grace be with you. Interesting in the closing here, of course, whenever we read the closing part of anything written, uh, usually the writer uh, emphasizes that which is very significant and, and very important. And, and we find here with Paul that he gives at the first part of this chapter two things that are so important for us as believers. And first is concerning prayer. He says, devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. As we think back to the beginning of this letter, when we started, Paul was sharing with the Colossian believers how much he prayed for them, he and Timothy actually, and how much they were on their heart. And, and he said all the time they were praying, thanking God for them, praying for their growth. And, and so now he encourages them as he ends this letter to pray. Now, as I talk about prayer, as I think about prayer, as I pray, I don't know about you, but I always find prayer as a mystery. 
you know, it's how does this work? God already knows what's going on. Uh, he's in charge. He's supreme. Uh, uh, I, I really believe that uh, he has everything under his control. But yet somehow he calls upon his children to pray, to ask him, to talk to him. And somehow it seems like that makes a difference in what takes place. Can you help me with this? Kind of mystery. Yeah. But, you know, it's like the rest of our faith walk, isn't it? It is a walk of faith. We, we, we walk by faith, not by sight. I, I don't have to figure that out completely in order to participate. I, I don't have to have it all in my little mind in a way that I truly get it in order to do what the Word of God says I need to do and to be blessed by the results of it. And so that's where we come to this today. And so, Paul says, devote yourselves to prayer. Devote yourselves. Boy, what do you think of when you think about being devoted? I, I, think, of, I think of a couple being married to each other. You know, a commitment, uh, uh, you know, through thick or thin, that, that this is, we're connected and we're going we're gonna to be giving ourselves to each other and there's that level of, of deep commitment. And it's, it's a determined priority, I guess we could say. That's what Paul is saying needs to be happening in prayer. Now, hey, I, I wrestle with what I would call devoted prayer. I mean, I, I certainly pray, but I don't think I pray enough. I, I think I do a lot of things without prayer and then pray for it later. You ever do that? Aren't we thankful for God's grace? All right, yeah, amen, yeah. And, and, and he does. I, I think the Spirit of God reminds me. You know, it's like, you, you didn't pray about this. You, you know, it's like he doesn't need me to pray, but he wants me to pray. Why? Because he has to have that word from me to do what he's going to do? <laughs> no, that's silly. He's in charge. But there's a richness that comes when we really are spending time with the Lord. When we're sharing our needs. There's a relief that comes, too. When we can cast our cares and our burdens on him. Because what else are you going to do with them? I mean, you can worry about it and end up having all kind of physical problems and emotional issues. I mean, prayer is really a great relief valve. <laughs> we can take anything. And you know, the wonder of prayer is that, that God, again, wants to hear. That, that, that He is there and, and that He will provide, not necessarily all the answers, but He will provide His presence. He will provide... Just a sense that it, you're not in this alone. and Somehow, even though you can't see it, he's going to work it out. Paul says, don't, I don't want to end this letter without going back to what's most important here. I, I, I need to say this, but I say it with a sense of great humility. 
because I know that I don't always live this out. But I really believe it, that prayer, prayer is such a key to life, to ministry, to whatever. And I think that some of the struggle that we have is definitely a spiritual one. The devil knows that. I mean, he, I mean he's not afraid of you doing a lot of things, but I think he's really afraid of you praying. Because he knows that makes a difference. Devote yourself as a prayer. Now, it's interesting what he says about praying. He says, pray with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Appreciate that song, you know, the gratitude song we just sang. You know, what, what do we have? <laughs> what do we have to bring, you know? I mean, that, that's so important, isn't it, that we, and I'm going to kind of go to the last part first, here, but the thankful heart, you know, that we come with a heart that is not just demanding and asking, but it's a heart that's thankful. Makes a big difference, doesn't it? But it also says an alert mind. An alert mind. Powerful praying involves both the mind and the heart. The mind to be aware, to pray intelligently, right? To be aware of the needs, to come to God as He has told us to in His Word, and to be looking for the movement of God and living in expectation of all that He's going to do. And, and some translations say be watchful in prayer right and and the concept is really one of being watchful for what god is going to do particularly in the return of christ be aware be watchful as you pray be looking for god in action be watchful that he's gonna win (laughs) that no matter what's going on in your life christ will be victorious be looking that way as you pray. That raises the confidence level for one thing, gives you hope, but also it's an appropriate thing. As believers, Jesus talked all the time about the importance of people being ready, being watchful, you know, not just living life like, well, it's going to happen. It doesn't matter what I do and how I live. Not true. Be alert in your mind. Be aware of what's going on. Be thinking about life situations as you face them and realize that prayer is a key element as you face them. You meet people with needs. You pray for them. You you go through situations that you didn't expect. Where do we go? We pray. Be alert. Be thinking. Be using those thoughts to lead you to devoted prayer. And then the heart. So important. The heart should be one of gratitude. To have a passionate understanding of God's love and and His goodness and and to be thankful for what He has done and, and what He will do. Because a thankful heart is a tender and submissive heart. An unthankful heart is a hardened heart. I don't like the way that's going. I don't want it this way you got to change that, God. That's kind of, we don't necessarily say those words, but if that's where our heart is, that's, that's what's going on. But a thankful heart is, Lord, what can I say? You're in charge. I know you love me. You've told me that. You have shown me that in Jesus. Thank you for what you've done. 
Thank you that you even listen to me when I call out to you. Thank you that you're involved and you want to help me in whatever I'm dealing with. Thank you, God. Boy, doesn't that change the perspective? Yeah. It changes us. <laughs> you know, prayer changes things, some people say. And I, I think God somehow does that. But boy, ch- prayer certainly changes us. Changes us. Changes our perspective. Changes and deepens our relationship with God. And so Paul, in the midst of encouraging them to pray, then asks for them to pray for he himself and those who minister with him. Pray for us too, that God will give us many opportunities to speak about this mysterious plan concerning Christ. That is why I am here in chains. Pray that I will proclaim this message as clearly as I should. Now, Paul is with the Lord. All of those that he talks about are with the Lord. But we still have plenty of opportunities to pray for those who are sharing the gospel. You know, we were talking about having a a special offering for the needs that we see with refugees in Ukraine. And, And the great news that we have as a congregation is that we actually have two missionary situations that are actively involved in two places, one in Romania and one in Poland. And they're working with missionaries that are there and, and churches that are there, and they're helping to help the refugees. And God is, of course, there. You know, it's interesting as you look over history how God has worked in the movement of people through a lot of difficult tragedies at times to get them in different places so that they can hear the gospel. I believe that's going on right there, right now. Well, what can we do? Well, we can give, and certainly I hope you do. I hope that you will take the opportunity to give toward this Ukraine need as we have this Easter offering we're talking about, okay? That we can help uh, our missionaries have funds to help others to make a difference in that ministry there. Okay. So important to give. But you know what? Any missionary that really is serious about their work will tell you that what's most important is that somebody's praying. Giving is essential. Never say that's not important. And dear friends, don't excuse ourselves for not supporting missionaries because they need the help and we need to do it. God calls us to do it. And this church is doing a great job. $65,000 of our budget this year is going to missions. Praise God for that. But if that's all we're doing, that's not really doing what God wants us to do because he wants us to be praying. Praying. Paul says, hey, this is important. You know, I mean, Paul was certainly effective. He, he was dynamic. And God had touched him and God had called him and he knew what it was all about and he was praying himself. But he said, hey, what's important to me right now is you pray for us. Do you get the, the, the idea of what he's saying? Do you get the feeling? I do as I read it. It's like, hey, we're really desperate here. It hasn't gone like I thought it would. I didn't think I'd be in prison. I thought when God called me, I'd be out there preaching all the time. Here I am in chains, and I still have this burden. How are we going to get it done? Please pray for us. Pray that, that we will be effective. Pray that 
the gospel will go forth with power. Pray that we'll be able to say what we're supposed to say in the right way at the right time. Dear friends, I get it. I'm sure you do too. As God's opened up opportunities even for you. Did I say the right thing? How can I be sure I say the right thing? I don't have the power to change a heart. I don't, I, I, you know, whenever I'm sharing the gospel, I got to tell you this. I always feel like, does this make any sense? Are they really getting it? I'm not even sure I get it. Because it's not from me, right? I need to be there, but yet that's an illustration so much of how much we need spiritual power. Pray that I will proclaim the message clearly as I should. And you know, I think we need to be praying, as he said, that God will give us many opportunities to speak about this mysterious plan concerning Christ. Do we pray that way? I I hope we do. Do you pray that way for yourself? Lord, give, us, give me opportunities and then give me words. Pray for your friends, your others that are believers. Lord, give us all opportunities. You know, we are the body of Christ. The hope of this world is us. I mean, it's in Jesus, of course, but Jesus dwelling in us. And so we are Christ's ambassadors as though God were giving his message directly through us. That's what Paul writes in Corinthians. I mean, it's pretty clear this one who's writing this letter also says elsewhere, you're the key. <laughs> Working together for Christ is, is not, certainly we want to pray for missionaries and support missionaries as they go other places that we can't go. But let's not, again, substitute that for what we're to do, too. Because we're all involved in the ministry that God calls us to. Let's pray for God to give opportunity and that we will be clear in sharing. I'm in a group with a group of uh, Christian businessmen weekly. Um, don't always get there, but when we're together, we, we pray. And one of the things that they encourage is to have a top 10 list. Uh, to have 10, in that case, men that you're praying for that you know don't know the Lord or are new believers or something of that nature, but need Christ and you have them on your top 10 list, and you're praying that God will open their heart. And that's the great thing as we pray. You see, it's certainly praying that we'll be aware of the opportunities, but also that God is working in that situation, and he'll put the two together. You'll know about it. He'll use you as you share. Top 10 list. Think about that. I had an interesting situation this past week in light of this opportunity idea. Um, Opportunities often come when we don't expect it. And... um, we were down in Florida. We had a great time staying with Dick and Mary Gensler at the Villages. And, and one, one day, uh, you, you can imagine what I did. We went and played golf, right? Yeah. I know you're not shocked by that. Okay. Yeah. And uh, it, it, was, it was really hard to go out because it was like 83 degrees and, and the sun was shining clearly and, you know, and, and it was beautiful. It was, it, you know, it was a, quite a challenge. But, but anyway, so we... Mary had a tough time finding the tea time because there's so many people there and they all use all the courses. And so we did get in one day, and, and, uh, but we were with two other people we didn't know. So um, uh, we're, we're waiting for our tea time and trying to figure out who these other two people are. And so I kept asking, what time is your tea time? We didn't find the right people. Finally, these two guys, oh, yeah, oh, yeah we're together. Okay, yeah, good. Where are you from? Da-da-da, you know, all that stuff. And, 
And uh, they said, oh, do you live down here? They both live there. And do you live? No, I don't live here. I'm down visiting. Actually, I said, and I don't always do this, but I actually said, well, I'm a pastor, you know, and I'm here. One of my elders has a place down here, and we're staying with them. And, and the one guy says, well, I'm glad you told us. So I'm going to watch what I say. <laughs> I, I said, hey, don't worry about me, brother. <laughs> I'm not, you know, I, I always feel like I'm not your judge. Don't worry. <laughs> no, okay. So anyway, we, we went off, and, and uh, so we're on the, like the third tee, and this, this other guy, he comes up, and he's standing next to me, and he says, hey, he says, uh, well, what are you preaching about? That's a dangerous thing to ask a pastor. <laughs> that man did not know what he was asking. He just opened a door that he couldn't close, I'm telling you. And I, I thought, do I really tell this guy all this stuff? And I said, hey, I just was straight up, and I just said, hey, I'm going, actually right now I'm going through a, a book in the Bible. We're preaching through Colossians, and I said, um, you know, the real focus is, I mean, I just told him what I tell you. I said, you know, focus is, is a verse in there that says Christ is all that matters. And, uh, and uh, you know, he says, well, well, well how, how, how do you apply that to life? This guy is crazy. I mean, he keeps, <laughs> what's he doing, you know? You know, I, so I said, um, well, you know, I said, um, you know, it's the fact that, that uh, the amazing thing that, that we, we, we need to please God, but we can. And, and God has given us the way through giving his son to die for us and pay for our sins. And by receiving him, he lives in us and we can, we can live to please God. And, he kept, and then he kept saying, well, isn't there a personal responsibility? And I said, well, yeah, sure. I mean, you know. I said, but the great thing is that that responsibility that we have to do what God wants us to do, which we can't really do on our own, he provides us the ability to do it by receiving him. Now, I'm not sure if all that just went flying over his head, you know, or whatever. So anyway, then he said something about, well, he says, uh, pretty interesting for a Jewish guy, he said, and, and I went to a Dominican college and I'm married to a Catholic woman. And I said, well, you sound like you've got a lot of territory covered there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, we were just on the golf course, you know. I mean, it wasn't church service, you know. I, I don't know what will happen with any of that. I, I don't. And uh, it was a friendly conversation. He opened the door. Uh, you know, um, I got his name in my mind. I can keep praying for him. It was an opportunity. Now, you might say, well, that's only because you're a pastor. I don't think so. I mean, I just happened to say that initially, and that opened that door. But, you know, all of us have opportunities that come naturally. And, and that's what Paul is saying here. And matter of fact, if we go into this next section, he talks about this whole issue of wise witnessing. And he says this, Live wisely among those who are not believers, and make the most of every opportunity let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. Witnessing to those who are not believers, Paul is clearly saying, is not just words, right? But it's the way we live. <laughs> With my particular opportunity there, I mean, I certainly had opportunities to demonstrate a lifestyle to some degree over nine holes of golf but not in the way that this is really talking about. 
And real depth of opportunity comes through relationships that you have. And we need to be aware of the fact that God wants us to live in ways that show Him and allow Him to lead the way. I probably said this before, but I I do believe it's worth repeating. Dr. Howard Hendricks, he's with the Lord now, but he was a professor at Dallas Theological Seminary, and he was asked one time by a student, Dr. Hendricks, which is more important in witnessing, living out your faith or talking about your faith? And Dr. Hendricks says, well, which is more important, breathing out or breathing in? He said, it depends what you did last. And that's really a great illustration. They're both important, aren't they? I mean, if you're just living out your faith and you never give Jesus the credit, they'll just think you're a good person. But if you're talking about Jesus and you're not living for him, that's certainly an embarrassment. It's both. And Paul says here, live wisely. Because people do watch us. We certainly don't want to give the Lord a bad name. We don't want to give others an excuse for not believing in Him. And dear friends, that doesn't mean we're going to be perfect. When you mess up, admit it. (laughs) I'm just struggling too, friend. I need the Lord too. Think about your actions and what they mean. Don't just be reckless and don't care. And as you live wisely, be praying and looking for open doors. And as he says, make the most of every opportunity. Have your eyes open. Is there somebody that you know in your life that is going through a crisis? They've shared that with you or uh, they've lost a loved one. Be aware. Look for ways to reach out with the love of Christ. Be sensitive and not aggressive, but take action. And if you are praying and living wisely, you will know when the Lord is at work and what he wants you to do. Now, you might not always feel like you really want to do it, (laughs) but you'll know he's urging you to reach out in a special way. As we say at our house, it is never wrong to do the right thing. Take action. But as we said, it's not just about living. It's also about speaking, and we want others to know Jesus. And the way we speak, Paul says, is important as well. We're told here that it's to be gracious and attractive conversation. Now, this really relates to what Paul wrote earlier in the book of Colossians when he said that we are to clothe ourselves with tenderhearted mercy and kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience back in chapter 3. You know, there are different kinds of witnessing, and not all of them are wise witnessing. I've been involved in some of those, unfortunately. There's guilty witnessing. You know, uh, the pastor and the Bible says I'm supposed to be a witness, so I'm going to make sure that I'm a witness. And, you know, that's kind of what's driving me. It's really not compassion and love, but I just got to do this, and I'm going to get it done. I'm going to check it off. You know, guilty witnessing, not very effective if at all. Now, I do believe that God uses all things amazingly, and sometimes people do things for the wrong reason. You remember Paul also writes somewhere that, you know, if somebody's preaching Christ for the wrong reason, at least they're preaching Christ. So, I mean, he does say that, so I'm not saying, but 
dear friends, we can't excuse ourselves and say, well, I'm going to do that for that reason, <laughs> you know, just because Christ is glorified. No, we still need to be wise. We need to do it appropriately, be compassionate, be gracious, be attractive in our conversation. <laughs> Another kind of witnessing I would call aggressive witnessing. A pushy, arrogant style that makes everyone, including most Christians, uncomfortable. I remember when I was in college, I was working at a glass plant in the summers. And I I do believe that probably my motives were good. I, I really was praying and wanted to be a witness. It was a rough place. (laughs) there was a lot of stuff going on and I remember being kind of aggressive and probably arrogant and I'm not sure how effective it was I can't say that's something I look at as my shining opportunity that's not where the Lord wants us to be he wants us to be like him (laughs) gracious and loving Sharing the wonderful news that he has paid the price that no one else could possibly pay. And that that's available for anyone who will believe, no matter what. You don't have to clean up first. (laughs) You just need to let him clean you up. That's the wonderful news of the gospel. Gracious and attractive conversation is the way to appropriately share Christ. And this demands a commitment to relationship that develops into opportunities that are natural and relative to the person we're sharing with. And we may just be one link in God's plan. So don't mess it up for the next person. (laughs) Keep the door open. Keep things friendly. Keep things loving. And then when God brings somebody else along, they'll still be open. Which leads us into the next point, and that is that we would have the right response for everyone. It's really great to be aware of the fact that God knows the person that you're trying to witness to. He knows everything that's going on. He knows things that you will never know, and he's already there. The Holy Spirit is convincing and convicting everyone of righteousness. He's at work. He might not see it. And sometimes the people that seem to be the most reactionary or um, rejecting everything are maybe the most that are close. (laughs) Sometimes it's the ones who don't care that probably aren't really thinking about what God might be saying to them. So don't try to read the book from the cover. But trust the one who's at work in their hearts. You're not in this alone. But not only is it the Spirit of God that's with you, but it's also God using other believers. We're in this together. As I just mentioned, God uses a variety of people. Paul said that in 1 Corinthians 3, 6 about himself. He said, I planted a seed in your hearts, and Apollos watered it, but it was God who made it grow. God uses many people in this process of evangelism and discipleship. So to do his kingdom work, friends, it takes a community. And that's where we go into the rest of this chapter. It's just closing comments. 
But Paul is talking about a lot of people. He shares information and greetings regarding the variety of people who are involved with him in the ministry of preaching Christ. Various people from various cultures and situations. God is connected for his work. And let's take a look at those as we go through this today. First, he mentions those sent to encourage the Colossian church. And he mentions Tychicus and Onesimus. Now, Tychicus, we're told in Acts chapter 20, verse 4, that he was from the province of Asia. Colossa, of course, is in that province, one of the cities there in that province of Asia. So they would know who he was. And Paul says that he's the one that's coming to them. Paul is sending him to them. It's probably true that he's the one that brought this letter to the people. Okay? It wasn't sent through the mail service. I'm not even sure there was a mail service. <laughs> but anyway, Tychicus brings the letter. Um, we don't know who read it. He could have been the one that read it to him. I, I don't know. But Paul says he's the one that he's sending. He says, listen to him, and he's going to give you the update on me. So Paul wanted them to get a direct report about himself from somebody on the inside. He's Paul's spokesperson to encourage him. Now, Onesimus... You might recognize that name because he's also written about in the book of Philemon. And, and obviously, as we look at these things, Philemon and Onesimus were part of this Colossian church. Colossian church. And, and, and so it kind of, Brian's message last week talking about slavery is kind of interesting because Onesimus was a slave that belonged to Philemon. And he had escaped and, and he had run into Paul <laughs> and Paul had led him to Christ. And of course, the whole letter to Philemon is Paul writing saying, I'm sending Onesimus back to you and this is how you're to receive him because you're a brother in Christ and so is he now. Okay, so that's a whole nother picture. We won't get any deeper into that, but, but Onesimus is one of them. And, and so again, I just appreciate what Brian said last week about the whole idea that that was so against culture for slaves to be a part of the Christian body. I mean, they were outcasts in every other way. Children, too. And women, as you mentioned last week as we looked at that passage. But here, Onesimus, he's one of you. <laughs> you know, he's one of your own. I'm sending him, too. And the reason that he sends Tychicus, the reason that he sends Onesimus, isn't it interesting? Not only to tell what's going on, but to encourage them that personal touch and Onesimus also is going to be telling them what's happening with Paul next Paul moves to a group of three who are all culturally alike he says that these are the only Jewish believers among his co-workers which is kind of fascinating you know Paul being a, a Jew Paul being a Pharisee Certainly, he had plenty of contacts. He certainly was passionate, as you read in Romans, about reaching the Jews with the gospel, even though he had been called clearly by God to be a missionary to the Gentiles. But he's just got three Jewish co-workers. Makes me wonder what that means. Um, probably still a lot of rejection of Paul in the Jewish community. Heavy, heavy duty. He wrestled with that. It's not what he wanted, but that's what happened. And that often is true of us, isn't it? That, that we find ourselves as maybe one of the few Christians in our family or in our cultural community, and there's a lot of distance from people that we would like to have a closeness with. 
But Paul says that these three, who happen to be Aristarchus, Mark, and Jesus, also known as Justice, comforted him. What a comfort they have been. You know, there is something, isn't there, to the fact that certainly we find brotherhood and sisterhood in the body of Christ with others from other cultures and like that. But there's something very rich about those who are close and like us. You have certain people you're really tight with, probably because there's a lot of similarities in your cultural background. And God had given them that with these three. And that was a very special thing that he mentions here. Now, it's also kind of fascinating to notice who he mentions. I mean, we don't know a lot about Aristarchus. He was a traveling companion of Paul, we see in in Acts. But we do know something more about Mark, also known as John Mark, who is Barnabas' cousin. Because we read in Acts that he had gone with Barnabas and Paul on a missionary journey, but was very disappointing to Paul because he had left them. And we don't know really all the reasons for that, but it sounds like there was timidity there and fear, and and he just left. It was irresponsibility. And so when they wanted to go on the next missionary journey, Barnabas says, let's take him again. And Paul says, no way. And so there was a split between Paul and Barnabas because of Mark. But isn't it interesting to hear in this letter, Paul saying, he's with me. (laughs) There's a restoration there. And of course, he wrote the book of Mark too, most likely. Interesting how God takes those who have failed at certain points and brings them back around. Have you ever failed at certain points? Aren't you glad that that's not the end? Often that can be a new beginning as we learn things through those times. And certainly it probably was, even though it seemed a little harsh about Paul at that time, but God even used that decision to spread the work, but also probably to teach some things to Mark. But there is a restoration here, a restored relationship. Now, we don't know anything about the third one, Jesus, called Justice, um, not mentioned anywhere else in Scripture, except that he's mentioned here as a Jewish believer. But they were comforting to Paul, knowing that he was imprisoned in chains. Having contact with them was a great blessing. And the fact that they shared a common heritage tied them together closely. Now next, Paul mentions one we have heard of before in this letter, one who is relationally connected to the people in Colossae, and that is Epaphras. We read about him earlier in the book, and he is identified as one of your own. In chapter 1, Paul mentions him as the one that the Colossians learned about the good news through. He He has told Paul all about the Colossian believers, and it seems that Paul may have a reason here to affirm Epaphras and his love and prayers for the believers at Colossae. Maybe the false teachers that were there were kind of putting him down and saying, well, you shouldn't have believed what he said. He doesn't really care about you. Who knows what they said? But Paul here really takes some time to point out the love and care of Epaphras for the Colossian people. He says that he always prays earnestly for you, asking God to make you strong and perfect, fully confident that you are following the whole will of God. I can assure you that he prays hard for you and also for the believers in Laodicea and Hierapolis. It's interesting when he says he prays hard, the meaning of that word there is to feel pain due to the depth of concern. Those who care the most for us 
pray for us the most. Think about people who have prayed for you. I can think of some people that I know love me deeply. And I know they're still praying. I think of people that are now with the Lord. It used to kind of concern me, you know. Hey, I had so-and-so praying for me, my dad, you know, and others that have gone on. What do I do now? And then I was realizing as I read even in Revelation about the prayers of the saints going up, you know, and I'm thinking, those prayers are still going up. God still remembers those prayers. He doesn't forget those prayers. It's still active. (laughs) Never underestimate the power of your prayers. They really are eternal. (laughs) Because God is the one we speak to. Pray for those you care about. And as you pray for other people, you'll begin to care about them too. It goes both ways, doesn't it? Yeah, Epaphras loved those people. Paul wanted them to know that. It's encouraging to know that somebody's praying. It gets you through. It helps you be all that God wants you to be. I'm going to be quick here. I've got a few more to cover. But the, the next one he mentions is Luke. We know about Luke. Of course, Luke was the beloved doctor, as he calls him. Dr. Luke, a medical doctor. But he traveled with Paul. Uh, he wrote the book of Luke, but he also wrote the book of Acts. And, uh, of course, the book of Acts, uh, many times we know he traveled with him because many times he uses the wording in there that shows that he's actually there in the times that he's writing about. But, you know, I, the thing I think about when Paul mentions Luke here is that he's a skilled person. He's a respected person in society because of his medical position and expertise. God can use anybody in any situation, but he does know what he's doing when he creates us and he gives us special skills. And many times those special skills are special things that he uses for the sake of the gospel. I think in light of Dr. Luke here, I think of Bud Morton, <laughs> Dr. Morton. I don't really know him. I know of him because I haven't met him yet, but I'm going to, okay? But, but in reading about him, I'm hearing many of you talk about him. I mean, God's used him as a doctor at Papua New Guinea. And the fact that he has those medical skills has opened doors for the gospel in ways that wouldn't happen otherwise. And the respectability that comes because of that position We all have different levels of influence where we work and where we are. God can use them for the sake of the gospel. Don't ever neglect that thought. And remember, the way you do your work, the way we use our skills, is an important part of our witness too, right? We do it all, as we read in some of these other passages here, to serve the Lord. And it's not about serving others while they watch. We're serving the Lord. We're doing it for Him. And God uses that to make a difference for our witness. And now the next one I, I listed as people we don't know much about. Um, and he mentions Demas. Um, Demas is mentioned again, by the way, in the Bible. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 10, Paul writes, Demas has deserted me. Because he loves the things of this life. (laughs) Sound like it started good and ended bad. I don't know. But uh, it's interesting, though, that he mentions him here and that God has his name here as one that Paul was entrusting and working with. We don't always know how people are going to end up. And it's not our part to judge all of that. But, you know, God does use people, even people that maybe someday will fall away or 
somehow, I don't know, all, I mean, we could get into a lot of dynamics of what that means, but the fact is, he deserted Paul because he loves the things of this life. But God uses people, even those whose belief may, we may question. And we can find strength even in some that we don't know a lot about. But it also is a warning to all of us to remain faithful. Now, Paul ends this letter with some final greetings, verses 15 to 18. First of all, he shares some words of encouragement. He says that he gives greetings to the believers in Laodicea, which is a sister city in this area, not too far from Colossa. And uh, he specifically mentions Nympha and the church that meets at her house. Apparently, this is a, a young church and the believers, he knows about them and he wants them to know that he cares. <laughs> Just like he had never been to, to Colossa, but he, he knew about them and he was praying for them and he had a lot of interest in them as believers. And he also wants to share that with this young church. And then in verse 16, he mentions things to be shared. He says, after you've read this letter, pass it on to the church in Laodicea so they can read it too. And you should read the letter I wrote to them. But we don't have that letter. Probably were a couple other Corinthian letters too. We don't have. You know, God has chosen which parts of his word are his, truly his word. <laughs> you know, I mean, there are other letters, there are a lot of other writings, but not all of them are the word of God. And that's another whole topic sometime to talk about how we have the Word of God. But God not only inspired His Word, but He also has kept His Word, and He also has put it together so we can know it is His Word and have confidence in His Word. So we only have this letter. We don't have the others. But that's okay, because God has given us what we need, and we need to trust Him in that. And then Paul shares words of challenge. We don't really know the situation about Archippus that he mentions here when he says, give him this word. Be sure to carry out the ministry the Lord gave you. I mean, it's kind of interesting, isn't it? This letter comes to a group of people, and then at the end he names this one guy. And he gives him this kind of jab. <laughs> I mean, as I read it, I kind of think of this guy maybe kind of maybe not doing all that he could do or maybe he's discouraged or I don't know but he says be sure to tell him carry out the ministry that God's called you to do hmm. I, I think that's a great place to to be wrapping up our letter for all of us your name's not Archippus anybody here named Archippus no but put your own name in there put your own name in be sure, be sure that, and I could name some of you, but I'm not going to embarrass you, but whatever name we put there, be sure that you carry out the ministry that God's called you to. That assumes a couple things, doesn't it? It assumes that God's called you to a ministry. Well, he has. <laughs> and it assumes that uh, he's going to use you in it if you'll let him. And he will. But we also have responsibility, don't we? The guy at the golf course was right. There is responsibility as a believer to respond to what God's called us to do. And to be sure to fulfill it. Not to get lazy. Not to sit back. Not to just life go by. You know where I'm going, don't you? We have a ministry fair today. Ha <laughs> ha! 
It's a setup. <laughs> it's kind of funny how this happened. We were talking about having a ministry fair and encouraging more volunteerism and involvement. And uh, they, they shot it for this date. And I said, oh, I just happened to be preaching that day. And the title is Working Together for Christ. It really was that way, friends. Okay, I know you're not probably going to believe me, but it really was. Okay. Yeah. Because we need each other. We can't do the work of the Lord alone. And we're not supposed to. And we talked a lot before about the fact that God has gifted us all in different ways and we have different things we can do. And everything's important. The people that are in the nursery, working with the kids, all those things. They're not in here with us right now, but boy, they're important in what they're doing. You know, we, but guess what? If there weren't bodies there, it wouldn't happen. Somebody had to say yes. And maybe you've done the same thing for a long time, and maybe you need to go out to that table and stop doing whatever that was and do something different. I think that can be fun. Might be scary, but it refreshes us sometimes when we do something that we didn't do before. But the key is here, what is God calling you to do? And maybe you won't sign a paper today and you won't have a donut. Okay. <laughs> that was a joke, but anyway. All right. Okay. But... <laughs> I know, I was getting real serious, and I, that was too quick, too quick, all right. But, but no, uh, maybe you won't, because you will take a look at the different opportunities, and you'll pray about it. But don't just say, I'm going to pray about it, and then don't do anything, too. There's lots of need here for service and ministry, and there's blessings in doing that. You know, we talk a lot about Bible study and those things, Praise God for them all. They're all important in our discipleship. But you know, action is very important if you're going to grow in the Lord. As you step out to do different things, guess what? He'll teach you a lot of things that you wouldn't learn just by reading a book. And you'll learn how to apply those scriptures that you've been studying. Get involved. We need you. We need each other. Check it out. Nobody's going to twist your arm, although we won't give you a donut unless you sign up. Right? <laughs> yeah. And then Paul closes by saying, remember, there's a cost to following Christ. He says, remember me in chains. There is a great cost in sharing the gospel. But he's also a great example of being faithful, even when things got tough. Dear friends, let's not give up. And the key to it is his last statement. And that is, may God's grace be with you. Dear friends, we can't work our way in. We can't do enough service. That's not what, that's not what signing up is about, of, of earning any way with God. It's His grace that saves us. It's nothing we've ever done, nothing we could ever do. By His grace, He has loved us in our sin, and He's paid for it on the cross. And we are the recipients of that wonderful grace. But it's also His grace that keeps us, right? Certainly we have responsibility. But dear friends, I know in my own life, if it weren't for the grace of God, there's just no way I would keep going. I would mess up over and over again. And I would be discouraged. And I would go paths that would not be helpful. And at times I have. But it's the grace of God that brings me back. It's the grace of God that keeps me. It's the grace of God that empowers me. It's the grace of God that uses me somehow for His glory. And it's the grace of God that will take me home. May His grace be with you. That's what we need as we serve Him, as we witness, as we pray. His grace. Let's pray.
Dear friends, as we close this time, and as you leave here today, and there's those different tables out there of ways to serve, I want to pray that the Lord will lead us into ways of additional service or continuation in service of engagement for His glory. As Paul showed us in this passage, many people from many backgrounds serving the Lord together for His glory. And that's who we are here at Community. Father, thank You for bringing us together. (laughs) We come from a variety of situations. Uh, Some of us are related to each other, but some of us would have never connected unless it was this church. But we're here. And most important, You are here. Thank You for the blood of Christ that redeems us. Thank You for the power of the Spirit that gives us life and enables us to serve. Thank You for Your grace that keeps us. Help us, Lord, to be all that You want us to be for the sake of the Gospel, that many, many more will know Jesus and live forever with Him. Help us to be winsome witnesses wherever we are. Help us, Lord, to make the most of every opportunity. Help us to be people who are devoted to prayer because we so desperately need You. And thank You for all You're doing in us and through us. And we look forward with anticipation to all You're going to do. And we give You praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Get up and praise the Lord.